feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight at this hour, the attacks are continuing in and around the capital city of Kiev because many people are saying tonight that they are bracing for the worst. There's also heavy Russian bombardment in the Kharkiv region, and it looks like the Russians are not retreating. There have been some movements of Russian troops But many people are fearing that it is just a manipulation of troops, that they may be bringing in reinforcements. And at this hour, there are also some more sad reports coming out of Mariupol. Of course, that is the city that has been pounded relentlessly by the Russian strikes, so much so that the city is like now 95 percent leveled which is unbelievable. I was just looking at images right before the show, everybody, and you could see what it looked like a few weeks ago, and now it's just like a pile of rubble, the main streets there in Mariupol. Also reports that even though the Russians are claiming to be opening up humanitarian corridors in Mariupol, that that's far from the case. They are still taking pot shots at people who are trying to evacuate that city, and that's because the Russians are also so focused on that eastern part of the city, um, and in particular that whole eastern part of the country, basically to create a land bridge. And Mariupol, if you look at the map, Mariupol is like sort of right in the middle. It's in a very strategic area, and they kind of have to get through Mariupol and take control of Mariupol before they can really claim that they have a land bridge all the way from basically Russia all the way down to southern Ukraine. And tonight still... We have President Zelensky pleading, pleading basically with the world, saying, listen, it is day 36. Isn't that amazing? Day 36. The Russians were saying that they thought they could take Kiev in three days, and they are still outside the capital and still have only control over a few small areas if you look at the map tonight. It is day 36, and the courageous Ukrainian fighters are fighting like lions. And Zelensky says, we are still standing. We will fight this to the very, very end. And he also says that his cities are being just completely destroyed. I want to get your thoughts tonight as to where you think this is going. Do you trust the Russians as they say they're moving, even though it doesn't appear that they are whatsoever? And in fact, there are new intelligence reports coming out that potentially... There could be more strikes against civilians. That's what the U.S. is fearing because they feel that Putin is almost in a box, that now here it is dragging on well past a month, and they are fearing the worst and wondering what is he planning next? What is Plan B going to be? What do you think Plan B could be for Vladimir Putin? And how concerned are you at the next phase? Do you think that the Russians are going to settle for that eastern part of the country, the Donbass region, basically, that land bridge that I just talked about? Or is that just the beginning? And I don't think the Ukrainians are going to give that up. That's why I think that this is going to go on, you guys, for a while. Because unless the Ukrainians say, you know what, we're willing to give up maybe that region, and then Putin says, okay, I'm going to settle for that region, who's to say two days later is not going to continue? 
and start moving, you know, westward. I mean, if you look at the map, then he has that whole right-hand side of the country, basically. And what, he's going to just keep going left, keep going, and head towards Kiev. And I don't think the Ukrainians, from everything we're hearing, would settle for giving up any part of their territory. They feel it sets a dangerous precedent, but they are begging for weapons. President Zelensky saying, we need weapons. Not today, not tomorrow. We needed them yesterday. Please, please come. He's been basically on the PR campaign talking to a series of different parliaments. Remember, he talked to our Congress not that long ago. And now he is saying we need them immediately because he is describing the scene as he did today to the Australian parliament saying that cities in Ukraine are being leveled and more and more civilians are being killed. The longer you wait, more people are being killed. Help us win this fight. Take a listen. They are shelling our cities and villages. They are killing our civilians and children. They are um, creating sieges of our cities and keeping and holding hostages of hundreds of thousands of people in these cities without water and food. And he is talking about Mariupol, where they believe that there's about 100,000 people that are essentially trapped. And things are so bad that for water, they are waiting for the snow to melt. They're taking in snow, melting it, and making that water in that city. Can you imagine just how dire the crisis is? And why are we waiting, everybody? What the heck are we waiting for? There is now a moment that I believe in this war. If we look at where things are headed... And we see that they've been able to hold them off for 36 days. Let's get them some more military hardware. There's so many different reports that even though the U.S. keeps saying, okay, we're going to get more of this, we're going to do this, it hasn't arrived yet. You know, so so what the heck is taking so long? What, are they going to give it to them in July or August? You think that Ukraine has until July or August? They may. It may drag on that long. But why not give them everything that you can right now? I'm not saying boots on the ground. I don't think we should have U.S. boots on the ground. I don't think, you know, we want to get into a no-fly zone. I understand all that. But why are we not giving them MiGs? Why are we not giving them javelins? Why are we not giving them stingers, surface-to-air, all this stuff? The S-300s, which are like the Patriots, air defense systems so they can shoot down these planes in the sky that are Russians. And again, some of those have come in, not the bigs, but the other stuff has come in, but very piecemeal. They're still waiting, and they're still waiting on the S-300s. Those are what shoots down the planes. You think those planes that are coming above their cities every day and hammering and dropping strikes consistently every day, what are we waiting for? I mean, you're waiting for, like, there to be 100 Mariupols, and then you're going to bring that in and say, gosh, now we're going to do it? At what point do we finally say, look, these guys could win it? There are reports that even within the Kremlin, that information is being withheld from Vladimir Putin, and that even people who are close to him are maybe not telling him the full story. Maybe they're not telling him, according to U.S. intelligence reports and others, That basically the military is not up to snuff. His Russian military, his vaunted Russian military, maybe isn't the great Russian military that a lot of people thought it was. So given that, and given the fact, if you look at the map right now, the Ukrainians are doing a really good job. And they could still use a lot more military hardware. 
So can you imagine if they get even some more of this stuff that we're talking about, the more sophisticated stuff? And in the last 24 hours, we have heard from so many generals who have come in and said, now is the time. They have shown that they are courageous. They are showing that they are ready to fight. They're showing that they are able to hold off this military. At least they have so far. Send them all the military might that they can and give it to them ASAP. Don't get caught up in all this bureaucratic red tape. Do you think Ukraine has time for bureaucratic red tape? Do you think the people of Mariupol have time for red tape? What are we going to do? Look back six months from now, six weeks from now, six years from now and go, gosh, you know, Ukraine was basically wiped off the map. And had we brought in those things sooner, they are at a turning point right now. And that's why it is so pivotal, I think, to bring it in. Meantime, President Biden, by the way, was asked, do you think that Vladimir Putin, like I was saying, according to reports, maybe is not getting all the details? Maybe he's not getting even all the information about how bad the Russians are doing. In fact, there are stories that the food isn't there. They don't like the food or it's so terrible that they're eating dogs. I mean, there are these horrible stories out there. And there's stories also of Russians who are sabotaging their own tanks and other things just because they just don't want to go in and fight the Ukrainians. They don't feel it's it's a it's the right fight. They feel they're also getting killed many of them. They don't want to go there and come back in a body bag, so they're sabotaging their own technology, their own hardware, their own military hardware basically, so it's stuck and it can't roll into Kyiv. I mean, if these are true, that's pretty interesting. And so there are a number of reports that people believe that many of the defense and other, you know, KGB guys who are near Vladimir Putin are not telling him the full story. So here today, this was President Biden asked about that. And this is what he had to say. He kind of alluded to that. Uh, There's a lot of speculation. Uh, But uh, he seems to be, I'm not saying this with a certainty, he seems to be self-isolating. And there's some indication that he has um, fired or put under house arrest some of his advisors. Um, But I I don't want to put too much stock in that at this time because we don't have that much hard evidence. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, 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 uh. And by the way, later on in the hour, we're going to talk about President Biden's announcement where he blames everything on the Putin price hike, even though gas prices were through the roof before he, you know, before Putin invaded Ukraine. So to me, this is such a bunch of hogwash. Yes, listen, it definitely complicated things. But also, President Biden's policies, boy, did they complicate and create a lot of the crises. And his push away from fossil fuels, his push where he canceled Keystone, also talk about and where all these policies contributed. And I want to take your calls also about that, how much you think his policies have contributed to the chaos. Meantime, to me, if somebody had asked me on day one of this war, do you want Ukraine to win? It's an easy question. Thousand percent. I'd say a thousand and ten percent. There's no gray. You know, huh? I'm not really sure. Are you kidding me? Of course. Do you want Ukraine to win? Do you want a democratic country that was invaded that you are supporting? You know, they're not NATO, but we are supporting them as our NATO in general, as you see all the NATO countries. It's an easy answer. 
Listen to this exchange. This is yesterday at the White House. And Kate Bedingfield, she is the White House Communications Director for Biden. You got to hear this exchange with her and Fox White House correspondent Jackie Heinrich, where Kate Bedingfield, again, the basically lead communications person for President Biden, couldn't come to terms with saying, yes, we want Ukraine to win. How sad is this? The the president and the national security team here believe that Ukraine can win and push Russia out of its borders. And if so, has the U.S. adjusted its strategy at all in helping Ukraine since they started to win? Well, I would argue that from the outset that we've done uh, everything in our power, a tremendous, tremendous amount uh, to provide Ukraine with what it needs, to provide it with the resources to turn back Russian aggression. That has been the focus of our strategy, again, a two-pronged strategy to impose costs and provide uh, both the the security assistance and the humanitarian assistance uh, to support Ukraine. Is there any, any reason why no one from this administration has just plainly said we think Ukraine can win this war? We, I think in our actions and in uh, the support that we've provided, we've been very clear uh, that we're doing everything we can to stand with Ukraine and ensure that they uh, are able to push back uh, against Russian aggression. Why is that such a tough, complicated question? Do you want them to win? The answer is heck yeah. I mean, do you have a hole in your head? Uh, no, we want them to fight up against Russian aggression. Why is that so complicated? Is this president scared to firmly declare Oh, they're going to win and we're going to do everything we can, which explains the reason that they've been just so lackluster in terms of getting weaponry, in terms of even considering the MiGs, in terms of leading the charge to defend Ukraine. They can't even keep their story straight. Ah, uh, it's to defend aggression. I think it's a it, it's you got a winner and a loser here. That's the way war is. And I think it's pretty clear who the brutal side is and who the democracy is. I mean, to me, this is astounding. When we come back, I want to take your calls, everybody. What do you think? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Where do you see it headed? And what do you make of the fact that the White House can't even figure out, yeah, we would like Ukraine to win? Why are they struggling with that answer? We're going to talk about it when we come back and take your calls on where you think Putin is headed next. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I'd recognize this song. It's a little bit of Judas Priest. We mix it up here on the Rita Cosby Show. We do a little bit of everything for everybody. Well, we are talking, of course, about the situation in Russia, Ukraine, the war there. And now new reports, by the way, that Vladimir Putin is drafting about 135,000 people to the Russian armed forces, Uh, folks from Georgia, Uh, Chechens, Chechen fighters, uh, trying to bring in other people, other reinforcements to his troops. Meantime, President Trump, who did a really fascinating interview with John Solomon, investigative journalist of Just the News, who, by the way, is going to be coming up on our show. 
And just a little bit, about a half hour or so, half hour, 35, 40 minutes or so, he's going to be joining us to talk about this interview and Hunter Biden. You definitely don't want to miss that. Here's a little bit of his interview with President Trump talking about Ukraine and Biden's weakness. So, first of all, it would have never happened. I have to say that. This would have never happened, Ukraine. And I spoke to Putin about it. I know Putin very well. I spoke to him about a lot of things. And I spoke to him about Ukraine because I know he wanted it. But he knew he could not do it, not with me. And I don't have to go into the statement, but you know what the statement I made was. But it was a strong statement. Don't do it. It was a strong statement. And he didn't do it. And he wouldn't have done it. And he wouldn't have done it. And he also said that the way that President Biden handled the withdrawal in Afghanistan so haphazardly and so sort of disastrously that I think so many of us agree, he said that that created the climate also and Putin smelled weakness. I think what forced him to do it was uh, Afghanistan. When he saw how bad we, how incompetently we handled that removal, and I'm the one that got it down to 2,000 soldiers, except we're going to keep Bagram because of China. It's right next to China, one hour where they make their, one hour away from where they make their nuclear weapons. Uh, I think what happened, he was on the border. He had 200,000 people. He was negotiating. He was going to make a good deal. And then he saw what happened in Afghanistan. And he said, man, these guys are incompetent. Let's go in. Wow, man, this guy's incompetent. Let's go in, according to former President Trump. What are your thoughts, everybody? 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to line four. Let's go to Jim on line four. Go ahead, Jim. Hi, uh, Rita. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. What do you think is going to happen next with Putin? And where do you see this heading? Well, I hope you won't cut me off for saying this, but first, my grandmother comes from the Ukraine. Oh, this, and by the way, my father is Polish, but now where he was born is part of Belarus because the borders changed a lot. And, you know, there, there are so many great people in that part of the world. There's so many amazing people. And I think, and obviously you said your grandmother's from Ukraine? Yes, and I'm half Russian. Uh, well, they, no, but they, there's so many. Listen, I think there's so many Russian people, too, by the way, right now, even at this moment, who don't want the war. Yes, and I'm not on either side. I'm not on the Ukraine side. I'm not on the Russian side. But I feel that if this keeps going on and, and we start sending them planes and bombs and stuff, we're going to be heading into World War Three, And that really frightens me because— you know, it's like, yeah, we want them to win, but really, Rita, nobody wins in war. Nobody does. And it's horrible to see and the children and everything like that. But nobody wins in war. And if we have a World War Three, everybody loses. So oh, somehow, yeah. by God's grace, this has to come to an end. But um, Putin is smart, and he's way ahead of President Biden. He's senile. And if you think that uh, he's going to listen to President Biden, he's not going to. And in my opinion, he's just been toying with the Ukrainians. And when he brings that hammer down hard, you're going to really see some horrible stuff. So we have to pray for these people that God will end this. And, uh, yes, my heart breaks for this whole thing. Yeah, mine too. Mine too, Jim. I pray for Ukrainian people every night that God would protect them. But, you know, Rita, you know and I know that war— is horrible. 
and it destroys. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Jim, great call because you're right. It is so important. And listen, I, I pray for peace for these people too so much. It is so heartbreaking to see these images. On the other hand, you also have to send a message when there is evil. Um, you have to send a clear message that this cannot be tolerated. And also, most importantly, too, that it doesn't spill over and it doesn't continue. And if we're in a position to make sure that Putin's monster machine uh, never does it again in history, I think we should take advantage of that moment uh, for history. We don't want to say, gosh, I wish I would have. You think back in history so many times when there have been pivotal moments and you don't want to rush into it either. You have to be responsible. I, my advice, Jim, they should have snuck the MiGs in months ago and never told anybody. I don't think you telegraph it. Um, and then Putin maybe wouldn't have known how they got there, you know. But now it is such a mess. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody, after the break. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love where we always get to honor our great men and women in law enforcement. A beautiful story coming from Cary, North Carolina. I used to work in Charlotte, so I know that area well. From Green Hope High School, where they planned, quote, a secret event advertised at the time to honor excellence in service. And in truth, the event was to help cover a school surprise. Cary police officer Brian Smith who is a former resource officer at the school, and their surprise was a face-to-face meeting with the man whose life he helped save. And it happened last February when Robert Gresham Sr. came to the school to see his granddaughter perform at a major cheerleading event. He was high up in the bleachers, and he suddenly felt really sick. He was close to death, and his son said he thought that his father was dying. He could see the life leave his father's body. Well, Officer Smith, who just happened to be in the area, saw the trouble, and he took quick action. He checked his pulse. He didn't have one, so he went into CPR mode. And then somebody brought an external defibrillator, an automatic one, an AED, and Smith's CPR training paid off, and he was able to bring Gresham back to life. Officer Smith said, quote, I was just doing my job that day, and I'm glad that God put me where he did that day. I know it was God that was in my hand and said, I don't think of myself as a hero. I was just doing my job. What a great story and what a powerful story of how important their training on so many levels comes in and becomes life-saving. Well, we are talking about the situation in Ukraine and saving lives over there in Ukraine because, boy, It is getting really, really bad. And there are threats now that they believe that Putin may be planning the worst is yet to come. You just heard from Jim, who had called into the show, and Jim was saying that he's worried, too, that it could escalate and that things could get really bad. And, of course, Vladimir Putin so far has shown no mercy, particularly on the people in Mariupol, where they have really leveled the city and really taken shots at people, even people that were in bread lines. It's amazing to hear some of the stories of the horrors and just the war crimes, I think, that have been committed over and over again. Um, new numbers, too, coming in that so far, according to the Ukrainian military, that Russia has launched 1,400 missiles 
at cities in Ukraine. That is a stunning, stunning number when you think about the amount of bombardment that they have taken. And so far, it doesn't look like any major city is off limits for Vladimir Putin. So where do you see this headed? Because so far, the Ukrainians, despite the pounding that they have gotten, civilian targets, too, as we're talking about, um, despite that, they're holding them off. And there are reports that maybe Vladimir Putin is trying to reconfigure. Again, I was just also talking about reports that he may be drafting 135,000 people to the Russian armed forces. That could be kind of scary. Is he bringing in mercenaries from different countries who are going to come in and get paid to uh, be ruthless killers inside of Ukraine? But is that also a sign that they are getting desperate on the Russian side? So where is this headed? It is day 36, which many people never thought would come for the Ukrainian people, and yet they are holding them off. 1-800-848-9222, 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mike on line five. Go ahead, Mike, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Mike. First of all, we got to thank God for the victory so far, and he's not going to let go. But I think uh, I think uh, Ukraine, like we got to have like Jay Sekulow, one of the top lawyers, take this to the world court and get uh, the world court to give a court order demanding that whoever uh, Zelensky made the deal, whoever made the deal in Ukraine for the for the missiles to be taken out, should uh, support or, or may, uh, hold hold their bargain, end of the bargain by protecting the Ukraine. It's still not too late. They got to take it to the world court right now and have the world court give an order to those countries that made this deal because they uh they uh they they, they're betraying uh the ukrainian people you're talking about the nukes the uh the nuke deal that was going on the budapest by the way mike i am so glad you brought that up because to me and you know Zelensky's brought that up in some form but i'd be pounding that left and right you know, he, he brought it up at one moment, and maybe he doesn't want to infuriate, you know, because he still obviously needs as much military and money from the U.S. And, and other countries. But you're exactly right. The deal was, and it's the Budapest Accord, the deal was we're going to give up our nukes. And it was quite a number of years ago. They were the third-ranking nuclear power. They were a very big nuclear power at that point, Ukraine. They gave up their nukes with a deal that... First of all, Russia won't attack us, which, you know, is worth uh, not even worth the paper that was written on. Um, and also U.S. and others will protect us. U.S. and U.K. will protect us. So you're right. If if I was Zelensky, I'd be like, who would ever want to do a deal with America and U.K. again? You know, I, I absolutely agree. That should be much more spotlighted, Mike. There's one other point, Rita. Uh, we got to get these uh, Ukrainian people out of Poland because that could become a disaster in itself. We got to get Governor Hochul to open up the borders in New York, bring them right in. All of a sudden, Biden's putting a quota on these Ukrainian people, but he's not putting a quota on anybody else. We got to bring these people right into New York where their families, their churches, and their, their relatives live. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting you bring that up, Mike, because you're right. These people. I mean, they're all hardworking. They're all, like, trying to even get jobs now. I saw a thing about a job fair in Poland where there are, the women are trying to make money and try to somehow bring give it back to the country to be able to fund the military. Think about that. I mean, it's amazing. Um, and you're right. These are, like, great, decent, great people. And yet the irony of it all, as you bring up, that there is a quota. He said, oh, we're going to bring 100,000 in. 
I was seeing a report today that 18,000 are crossing our southern border a day. So think about the number. You know, already there's been a million people that have crossed the border, essentially encounters, if you will, that have crossed our southern border in the last six months. All right. And that's consistent with like last year was like two million. So that's consistent. The numbers are still there skyrocketing. It's like, come on in. And yet here are the people that clearly have, you know, distress. There's no question that they're coming from like the worst place in the world and they're fleeing war. And he's putting a 100,000 quota on them. Like that's all that can come in. What do you make of the disparity, Mike? Well, yeah, we just got to keep our faith in the Lord, and the Lord's not. He but what do you, but Mike, Mike, what do you mean? And by the way, Ed, that is beautiful. What do, what do you make of the the uh, fact that it's only a hundred thousand from Ukraine? Like, in other words, oh. does he think they're going to vote Republican or something? Or what's what's the why is that not the floodgates on them? Exactly, because he knows he knows he he betrayed the Ukrainian people. So he knows I don't think any of the Ukrainian people or the Polish people or any any of the uh, all those people. Uh, nobody's going to vote for him anymore because the whole world sees that he's part of this this scam. It's all about money. He's a, a silent partner with the freaking oil in the Ukraine and all of that. This is he all these he's blinded with money. The, the, these these. People are just blinded with money and power. They'll see nothing else. But God's going to destroy destroy him. I pray to God that God sends an earthquake and swallows up all the tanks and everything. We've got to put our faith in the Lord because it's God. The Bible says uh, evil men uh, prepare uh, horses for battle, but it's God who uh, gives victory. So, and Mike, uh, Mike, Russia, I, yes. Mike, I pray. I pray like the, the flood of all times comes. And the seas part and the Ukrainian people can go through. Let's just pray that. I'll pray for anything. Believe me, whatever helps them. Mike, thank you very much. You're terrific. I always love your passion and love your, your, your just patriotism. It's beautiful and your faith. Let's go to Michael, who's in Virginia Beach on line three. Go ahead, Mike. Your thoughts about it all. Uh, I've noticed uh, over the past uh, four weeks or so that you've been covering this story in Ukraine that uh, you have never used the word sell uh, weapons to uh, Ukraine. You always use the word give. Well, and there's and there's and there's a combination because they are getting funds and they are purchasing, too, as well. So there is a combination of that happening. Well, if if they're purchasing it with our money, we're giving it to them. So let's be clear. Ukraine cannot win. You are talking about a, a proxy war between the United States and Russia. Now, your main question at the start so are of the you, show— Let me ask was, you, Michael. Hang on a second, Michael. First of all, why do you think they cannot win, and you don't think they deserve any support? The way you're talking, you think— they should just kind of get wiped off the map and Russia swallows them and let's move on. That That's how uh, you seem. Uh, play back the tape of every show that you've uh, that you've done. I'm aware it's of what give, I said. I'm asking you a question. You called in, Michael. So where I guess my question to you is you don't think they have a chance to win. I mean, if you look at the map, yes, there's a, the Russian military is obviously a much stronger military, although – they haven't really been doing so well of late. I think you have to admit that. But we also don't know if the worst is yet to come. That's why I was conditioned it, because we don't know what's next. 
But I, I'm, if you look at it, there is a moment here. Maybe, maybe the Ukrainians can with the weapons that they are given or sold. Well, uh, that's like me saying uh, to my dad when I was 10 years old, uh, listen, Dad, I can, uh, I can support myself and, uh, and, and run my own house if you'll just give me the money to buy one. But what's now, that's what but, you're saying but, about? But that's what's what you're wrong with about. that, Michael? But what's I guess that, my question to you is: Of course, if someone is being attacked and they're a democracy and they're asking for the world's help and they're bordering NATO countries, which this one clearly is, Ukraine, they are asking for help and the world is helping them. I, I'm wondering why you there you think there's a problem helping Ukraine or any country like that, uh, whether it's all gratis, which most of it is. Uh, Ukraine is a 10-year-old child democracy that ran its own president out of the country into Russia in an attempted coup. This is no stable nation. It is not capable of uh, fighting uh, Russia. And every time you do a show, you prove that with the word give, 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 give to this child Nation. So you think so? Okay, let me just ask your philosophy. If there is a child who is being beaten up, and the child is able to fight back a little bit, and then you give them more military hardware, and they're able to fight back more, but that child is the one that is defending the person. That's the one who was attacked by a ruthless nation. I say defend the child. You know. Uh, so to me, for some reason. You don't think Ukraine is worth saving, and I highly disagree with that. I absolutely disagree with that, and I don't. I think I think for good people to do nothing, um, then we sit back and and we see you know Russia take over the country, and we see it maybe croach into other potentially at that point maybe a NATO country even that borders it. You know, there's a number of them that are NATO countries that border it, and then we say, "Gosh, I wish we would have." You know, I, I mean. I, I'm a big believer in standing up for good people and fighting for the good people. You you disagree, but but I also very very much appreciate your your calls and I love hearing from everybody, Michael. That's that's the it's a complex situation, but I really feel at this moment Ukraine, whether it's given, sold, whatever language you want to give, um, you know, if it's a good ten year old, I'd like to protect the ten year old. Thanks for the call, though, Mike. I love it. Um, let's go to Tom on line five. Go ahead, Tom. Your thoughts about all this. Hi, good evening, Rita. I'm a veteran, and I know armies need weapons, ammunition, food, and a lot more. Uh, the world is not acting fast enough, and if we don't help Ukraine, they're going to be to- overtaken. Biden is, not do- Biden is not doing what he says he's going to do, and we need to get, um, get these people what we promised and more. You know, Putin knows not to attack the U.S. or any other NATO country. Uh, they don't have what it takes, uh, not for the whole NATO enough. What did you uh, make, by the way, Tom, what did you make of uh, Mike, who thinks that a 10-year-old democracy doesn't deserve to be protected, you know? Um, yeah, I was. I kind of listened to that, and I, I don't know. He just seems a little um, – I, I understand he doesn't want war. Nobody wants war. War is hell for everybody. No, he doesn't. He and, actually – He. I think he seems to think, yeah, Russia is a stronger power, and they deserve to have it. You know, it's like oh, so it's like just the bull- let him take it over. Yeah, I think he thinks he's. I, I think Mike is like uh, wants the bully in the schoolyard. He'd rather not help the ten year old. You know, that's and his. You know, he thinks, oh, they're just a ten year old democracy. Why, why save them? You know, I, I mean, that's his well, philosophy. That's I want to hear from you because you're a veteran, Tom. 
What, what's the difference if it's 10 years old or, or 10,000 years old? I don't, I don't care if matter. it's 10 days old. You know, Roger if it's that. 10 days old, I'll still protect it. You know? I mean, he's committing genocide. He's killing women and children. This woke up the world. You know, I mean, I, I understand that this is their method of fighting, and, and they're going to starve these people to death in Maripol. You know, and it's a horrible way to die. I mean, they were just saying that they were eating dogs, you know. Oh, it's... I, you, know, uh, you know, I'm a big dog guy, so I wouldn't want to have to eat a dog. But, it's, you know, I just don't get it. I just don't know why we're not – he's not fast enough. He said he was going to give them this stuff, all these weapons and stuff that they were sending over, and he hasn't done it yet. And the I other know. thing is he bothers me by – he was telling them, like, oh, we sent in this amount, this amount of money, and we're sending in this stuff over in this direction. He's telling them. Where we're taking them in and how we're getting them into the uh, into Ukraine, and I, you know that doesn't make any sense because you know he, he should know loose lips sink ships. Well, you know the problem is like. he has no filter. That's the problem as we've seen, Tom. You know, I mean, he just kind of says whatever he's thinking, and that is a very dangerous uh, proposition. And and you heard my contention. They should have they should have put him on the MIGs. They should have sent everything. Think about it. They had done that even in the first few days. I mean, think about what a message. They're still waiting on a lot of the hardware that was promised to them, you know, from United States and other countries. They've gotten some, but they need, they're like, where is it? You got Zelensky going, uh, you know, look at the pictures. Do you need, do you need more than to see what's happening in Mariupol? I don't think so. Um, but I agree with you, Tom. It's like, hurry up. And they should have snuck it in and not telegraphed it to the world that, hey, we're sending this or they just send it in. Don't don't say anything. Do it in the dead of night. Do it sneaky. Don't you don't have to say anything. They should have put it in months ago. And you wonder, had they put in the forces months ago and sent a message months ago that we won't tolerate it, then it may never have even happened. But we looked weak and we looked late. And now we're caught in bureaucratic snafu. And guess what? Zelensky and the people of Ukraine don't have that kind of time. And you know that boy all too well. Um, Thank you for calling, Tom. And thank you for your service to the country. When we come back, we're going to continue with your calls. What do you make of the fight that the Ukrainians have been giving? Do you think they could actually win this, even though the White House seems to have trouble saying it? And so does Mike, our previous caller. 1-800-848-9222. This is the Rita Cosby Show. And you're listening to the Rita Cosby Show, and we are talking, of course, about the war on Ukraine. By the way, in the next hour, you definitely want to stay tuned because things are getting really explosive in the Hunter Biden investigation. Now, many people in the mainstream media who weren't even touching the story, remember a year and a half ago, was like, oh, what what story? What story? Right before the election, no mention, big blackout. Now, in the last week or two, we've seen so many people talking about it, and there are reports that a number of individuals are getting called before the grand jury. You do a grand jury to determine if there's enough information and enough evidence to possibly indict. So think about this, and we're going to talk about this in the next hour. Could there be an indictment of Hunter Biden coming up soon? That would be Incredible. Again, the president's son, the one who he said is the smartest guy in the room who couldn't figure out cocaine versus Parmesan cheese. We're going to get to that in a moment. But boy, is that guy loony kazoony. And so we're going to talk about that and the fact that there is actually a grand jury right now, according to multiple reports, 
looking into Hunter Biden and his activities and the money that he was getting as a, quote, consultant from places like Ukraine, from places like Russia, from places like China. And this is a guy whose artwork is like we were talking about a 10 year old from Mike who called before Hunter Biden's artwork looks like it was done by a 10 year old and he's getting paid like half a million bucks. You tell me that they're not looking to curry favor. Are you kidding me? Not even on the artwork, but all the consulting work and Burisma and all that. Well, great investigative journalist John Solomon is going to be joining us in the next hour here on the Rita Cosby Show. He has done some blockbuster work on the Hunter Biden case and all the Russia investigation, all that stuff. I can't wait to have him join us. He did an exclusive interview that has been making tons of headlines with former President Trump. We're going to be talking about that And we're also going to be talking about the Hunter Biden investigation. I can't wait to get your take as to where you think this is going to lead. The fact that now apparently they are looking into not just tax issues, but lobbying issues, a whole bunch of stuff. The fact that now a grand jury has been convened, that is not good news for Hunter Biden. And that means not good news potentially for the president of the United States. That is a blockbuster development that's been happening, and we're going to take your calls on that. Also, President Biden, meantime, is attacking the oil industry. He's almost been nastier to the oil industry than he's been to Vladimir Putin almost. He really went after the oil industry today and is blaming everything, basically, on the Putin price hike. So that's where he's coming from. Listen, Prices were skyrocketing because of his crazy green energy policy that moved us away from energy independence. So we're going to talk about that in the next hour. You definitely want to stay tuned to that. What are your thoughts about where everything is going in Russia, Ukraine? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Joseph in New Jersey. He's on line five. Go ahead, Joseph. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Real quick, what are your thoughts, Joseph? As far as Mike is concerned, a country called France put its money, its men, its material in the back of a ragged army in 1778, and there wasn't even a country to fight for. And that ragged country is the reason why we're here and free today. And why we always look at the uh, the Statue of Liberty, you know? I mean— That is right. Number two— I feel sorry for Zelensky because he's fighting two enemies. One, the other one is Joe Biden. Joe Biden is not his friend. I have a house at the Jersey Shore, and during the Gulf War, I could sit on the beach and all day long, every day, one transport plane after the other went out of McGuire Air Force Base. All that Sleepy Joe has to do is get on the phone The planes can be in the air with the material in 30 minutes. I've seen it done. I know it's been done. He's a fraud and a phony, and he's Putin's brother. Believe me. Well, and you know what's interesting? And and Joseph, you know what's interesting? Because you're right in terms of hurrying up and getting when you want something to get there. Suddenly it shows up hours later. And right now there's clearly a system to get in and out. They're trying to watch and make sure these convoys don't get hit. Um, But you're right. Why is it taking so long? And why are they debating if they want Ukraine to win when the White House was asked that question? They're like, "Uh huh. We're going to talk about Hunter Biden and more about this after the break. 
feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. The big question tonight is, could Hunter Biden, the president's son, be indicted? You know, for a long time, the mainstream media wasn't even covering this story. And now there is big news that a grand jury has been convened, that they are looking into Hunter Biden. And when a grand jury is convened, they decide whether or not to issue an indictment. So there's a very good chance that now that this grand jury's been impaneled, that there could be an indictment. And by the way, I just saw a few seconds ago, my buddy, Catherine Herridge, I used to work with her at Fox News. She's a great investigative journalist. She's putting out tonight uh, from CBS News, mainstream media there, guys, that the Hunter Biden investigation began a tax inquiry, began as that about a few years ago. Now it has expanded into a federal probe And a source familiar with the investigation telling CBS's I-Unit that two men who worked with Hunter Biden when his father was vice president were called to the grand jury last week. So the grand jury looks like it is questioning people that worked with Hunter Biden, trying to find out why did he make millions upon millions of dollars when his father was vice president, when he had no basically job. Had no background. I mean, this is a guy, and we're going to play it shortly, where he couldn't figure out cocaine from Parmesan cheese. And the guy was making millions upon millions of dollars. And what was he doing? Basically selling access. I mean, they weren't buying him because he was this great, you know, consulting mind, this great, you know, mind on uh, Russia and Ukraine and China and all these areas. So the big question tonight is, what was he getting paid for? What did he really do? And did that basically make Joe Biden compromise? I contend he could have been, he's compromised. I mean, if your son received millions upon millions of dollars, didn't do anything, who knows what information he shared? But clearly, the grand jury now it has stepped up because this is not just some organization saying it. And by the way, when the Washington Post came out with it, it was like, oh, wow, wow, wow. And New York Times, oh, wow, wow, wow. Well, kudos to the New York Post, because the New York Post had it right before the election. But remember, the mainstream media, oh, it's disinformation. We're not going to touch it. Even though it was so clear that the president's son, Hunter Biden, just couldn't keep his story straight. Remember this? This is one of the interviews that he did. One of the only interviews that he did when his book came out, because it was so bad. Clearly, his publicist is like, cut that guy off. He is so bad. Just have him do one or two interviews. It was with CBS. That's it. So here is a little bit of Hunter Biden when he was asked by CBS correspondent Tracy Smith, do you know where the laptop is? Because remember, the laptop was missing. He brought it into this repair shop to get repaired. And even then, he couldn't even keep his story straight. Take a listen. Your laptop. For real, I don't know. I know, but But you know that's... I really don't know if the answer is. You don't know yes or no if the laptop was yours. I don't have any idea. I have no idea. So it could have been yours. Of course, certainly. There could be a laptop out there that was stolen from me. There could be that I was hacked. It could be that it was the... that it was Russian intelligence. It could be that it was stolen from me. 
Wow, he could not even keep his story straight. It was like, uh, 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 uh. And in just a few moments, great investigative journalist John Solomon from Just the News, who did a blockbuster interview with former President Trump, is going to be joining us in a second to discuss what he knows about the Hunter Biden case and also his big headline-making interview. Here is, by the way, CNN back in 2020 saying, oh, this whole Hunter Biden story, it's all fabricated. Don't worry about it. Take a listen. Well, Brianna, we're being told by two people who've been briefed on what the FBI is doing, that they're looking into whether these unverified emails about Hunter Biden that were published by The New York Post about foreign business dealings are part of that bigger Russian disinformation effort, which, of course, is well underway in these final days of the 2020 presidential election. Now, the intelligence community has said for months that Russia is very actively engaged in a disinformation campaign against the election in this election, in particular against Joe Biden trying to denigrate his campaign, as they said, in favor of President Trump. Oh, it's all made up. And now here it is. Think about there were actual polls. I remember seeing this soon after the election when more of it kind of came out a little bit at that point. There were polls of people and these were Democrats and independents who came out and said, God, had I known that that story was true, I thought it was Russian disinformation. I thought it was bogus because even the, you know, then vice president, Joe Biden was asked about it, remember, during the debate. Oh, it's Russian disinformation, poo-poo. You know, there were people who said they might have voted differently, that they would have maybe not voted for Biden. So it may have had a tremendous impact on the election. That's why you got to get the facts out there. You can't just suddenly buy information and say, oh, well, it's not correct. It's not this. It's not that. And now, take a listen. CNN is definitely changing its tune now that this has been independently verified by a lot of people in mainstream media that indeed Hunter Biden is being investigated on a series of charges and potentially this grand jury could come back with a big indictment against him. This is a very real, very substantial investigation of potentially serious federal crimes. We are seeing federal prosecutors in Delaware do exactly what you would expect to see federal prosecutors do in this situation. They're talking to witnesses. They're bringing people into the grand jury. They're issuing subpoenas. And I would expect, as Evan reported, they're now gaining steam and they need to make a decision, I think, in the at least intermediate future. This case has been going on for four years, and there is a realistic chance this could result in federal charges. Of course, then we'd be in unprecedented political territory, not legal territory, but a situation of having potentially the Justice Department prosecuting and trying to imprison the son of the president. Wow. And that is CNN saying that, guys. Let's go to great investigative journalist John Solomon, who did an amazing interview with former President Trump and has been on this Hunter Biden story, broken so many great scoops on this. John, great to have you back here on the show. Always great to join you, Rita. Thank you. Where do you see this headed? Because now we're seeing many people in all different medias uh, basically saying that the grand jury is now, there was an update interviewing a number of past colleagues, people who worked with Hunter Biden when his father was VP, and that they were called even as early as last week to testify before the grand jury. What, where do you think this is going? Well, listen, nobody knows but the grand jury and the prosecutors what will ultimately happen. And and Hunter Biden deserves the benefit of the doubt, something his family never gave Donald Trump during the uh, Russian collusion investigation. But he deserves the benefit of the doubt. Let's wait and see what happens. But what I have seen for several weeks now, actually for several months, 
is uh, the sort of activity that prosecutors do when they're trying to build a case towards a possible indictment. Uh, Now, whether they get that is a different thing. What do we know? We know that Hunter Biden was warned starting in the spring of 2016. Just think about that. Six years ago, Hunter Biden was told he hadn't paid taxes on all that money he got from that Ukrainian gas company called Burisma. We know this because I got these emails long ago and I published them and they've been out there. Apparently, he didn't pay those tax bills until just recently, if you believe the New York Times, which suddenly has discovered that the laptop it used to demean is true. Uh, and, and, and that's just one of the fact points that the, uh, that the FBI, the IRS are looking at. I have a subpoena that's in my hands right now. I'm looking at it. It's from May of 2019, which was right when I broke the first stories on Hunter Biden and, uh, and uh, Joe Biden and the firing of the Ukraine prosecutor and all the things that Burisma related. Within four to six weeks of me writing the first column in, the, in the, the Hill, federal prosecutors, the IRS, and the FBI dropped subpoenas on the banks where uh, Hunter Biden received all that foreign money from China, from Ukraine, from Kazakhstan, and other places. So we know this has been going on for a long time. Uh, and, you know, we know that Hunter Biden was warned he might have a tax problem long ago. It doesn't appear that he took care of it until recently. But at the end of the day, the prosecutors and the grand jury are going to look at the evidence and make up a decision. The bigger problem is not in the court of law, because that will work itself out. It always is. The bigger problem is the court of public opinion, where mass media companies and mass uh, social media companies suppressed a story for two years uh, from the American public through an election using every possible device they had, ridicule, uh, claiming things were Russian disinformation, and they stopped the American from people from hearing about this story that was always true. And people like myself and Peter Schweitzer, we were called conspiracy theorists by this president, by this president. And I'll just end with one last thought. Uh, the, the subpoena I have in my hands is 18 months before Joe Biden looked into the camera and said, my son never did anything wrong. These are unfair attacks on my family. The people who are perpetrating them are conspiracy theorists. He's referring to me. Well, it turns out for 18 months when he said that, his son was already under criminal investigation. The lack of honesty that the media, the Democratic establishment, the social media companies gave us in this story really deserved the public. And truly, I think history will look back and say this was the largest corporate in-kind donation ever recorded in American political history. Wow. Millions of dollars of suppression of a story by news media, social media, and Democratic establishment people trying to silence the truth. It's a a travesty for American politics. It is. And one of the things, and I I mentioned this, and I know you know this, John, um, that there were polls that were taken afterwards when more details were coming out and people were going, why didn't I know this beforehand? And it was because the mainstream media blocked it out. But that's why it's so important, you know, to get the word out, because people genuinely said, and these were not Republicans, it was Democrats and independents, basically said, we might have voted differently had we known this information. I mean, it's astounding. Um, By the way, and and I want to also talk about your great interview with President Trump. Um, You had a lot of layers in it. And I want to play the the clip that's getting a lot of quotes because Trump always throws zingers in the middle of it all. Um, He sure does. But he sure does. And by by the way, great interview, John, too. I know you were down there in Mar-a-Lago. You had great stuff, uh, as you always do, my friend. Um, And so here he is, and he talks about basically puts out a plea to Putin. I just want to play this and just kind of have you give context to it. But but here's President Trump talking to you. As long as Putin now is not exactly a fan of our country, let him explain where did, because Chris Wallace wouldn't let me ask the question, 
Why did the mayor of Moscow's wife give the Bidens, both of them, three and a half million dollars? That's a lot of money. She gave him three and a half million dollars. So now I would think Putin would know the answer to that. I think he should release it. I think we should know that answer. Now, you won't get the answer from Ukraine, but why are they giving somebody who knows nothing about energy $187,000 a month plus a $3 million upfront payment? You know, it is an astounding amount of money that he's talking about. Do, do you think he's hoping that something comes out? And what do you think he meant by that? Is it just he's just sort of playing? You know, listen, you know, Donald Trump is the P.T. Barnum of politics. He's the greatest showman in politics, and he knew exactly what he wanted. He wanted everybody to spend the two or three days after our interview talking about Hunter Biden. What's he trying to do here? He's been watching the television for the last few days, and people are trying to suggest that maybe Joe Biden is Ronald Reagan or Winston Churchill. Oh, my God, he's doing What about Neville Chamberlain? What about yeah, Neville Chamberlain? He'd be the better historical comparison, but we'll let the historians take that. But he, he wanted to remind people that it was this guy's family. It was Hunter Biden and Joe Biden's family that was in the had their hand in the cookie jar of the oligarchs, the Ukrainian oligarch in uh, that ran Burisma, the Russian oligarch who uh, was doing business with some of his uh, affiliated companies. He wanted to remind people, and he got exactly what he wanted. Why? Because Jimmy Kimmel last night and uh, Stephen Colbert and CNN obsessed over that comment, and he got them to talk about Hunter Biden in Russia exactly the way it is. And here's something that's very important, because I know the president understands it. He and I have had this conversation. When Hunter Biden was targeting these oligarchs, it was the fall of 2013 and the spring of 2014. That is when Ukraine was first invaded, invaded by Russia, the Crimean region. Hunter Biden is targeting Russia and Ukraine in the middle of a global conflict that his father is supposed to be resolving. The audacity of the corruption, the audacity of going in. And I want to remind people of one email I put out there not that long ago. Uh, Hunter Biden gets put on the board of Breesman in April of 2014. He knows about it a month before it's announced. And his dad is going for his first big trip to Ukraine after President Obama names him. And his father mentions that they need to start doing natural gas in Ukraine, which, by the way, was Burisma's business. And as soon as his father gives the speech, he writes his colleague and says, make sure Burisma knows we got that into the president, the vice president's speech. Think about that. He was wow. getting sentences into Biden, Joe Biden's speech to make sure his clients knew that they got rewarded. That's the sort of corruption that the media ignored. And, and to this day, they still ignore most of it. They're, they're coming around sort of CYA at the end. But that's what the Biden family was doing. And they were doing it in the middle of an international conflict between Russia and Ukraine, the earlier uh, 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 war between Russia and Ukraine. Wow. You know, it's interesting, John, as you put it in perspective, you're, you're absolutely right. And now as we're seeing what's been going on, it's like to think of that he was in the middle of it all. Um, and also getting words inserted into a speech. Um, again, you know, it just it's unseemly when you hear about it. And especially knowing this guy's background and the drugs and the, all the pro- I mean, all the problems in this guy's background. This guy is a walking like liability. And this is the one, you know, this is not, uh, you know, Albert Einstein over there like doing consulting. This is, you know, Hunter Biden, who's on crack and prostitutes. I mean, a far cry, you know, this is not top notch. Um, wow. 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 Very uh, powerful stuff, John. And your interview made tons of headlines and had some really, really important layers to it. Great work and always Thanks, great Rita. having you on my friend. 
I always enjoy your show. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. The great investigative journalist, John Solomon. When we come back, what do you make of the fact, as John was just pointing out, some of the timing of some of these things getting into statements, also the timing that Hunter Biden was basically making all this money during Russia, Ukraine, during all the Crimea stuff in 2014. Think about that. In the middle of all that, your thoughts of where this is going and could he be indicted? What does it mean? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. A little bit of Brian Adams here on the Rita Cosby Show, and we are talking about Hunter Biden, who, boy, he can't keep his story straight. And now the mainstream media is following the New York Post by, boy, what is it, like a year and a half later, they finally woke up. And now they are reporting that the grand jury, there is a grand jury that's impaneled actually looking into Hunter Biden. This is coming from CBS News and a number of others so much so that they're actually interviewing and talking to people who worked with Hunter Biden when his father was vice president, because that is when a lot of this money was coming into Hunter Biden. And we're talking millions upon millions of dollars. So why was Russia? Why was Ukraine? Why was China? Why were they paying for his services? Do you think that maybe they were trying to curry a little favor, trying to get maybe some influence on the White House? the vice president who was in charge of Ukraine back then. And this is the guy. Take a listen. He can't even he can't even figure out what's Parmesan cheese and cocaine. And you're going to hire him as a consultant for millions of bucks. This is a uh, take a listen. Good old Hunter Biden. I spent more time on my hands and knees picking through rugs, um, smoking anything that re- even remotely resembled crack cocaine. I probably smoked more Parmesan cheese than anyone, <laughs> anyone that you know, I'm sure, Tracy. <laughs> because there'd be crumbs yeah. mixed in and yeah, you just... It, yeah. I mean, I went one time for 13 days without sleeping and smoking crack and drinking vodka exclusively throughout that entire time. Isn't that unbelievable? Imagine if his last name was Trump. Talk about the double standard and now a federal grand jury looking into this. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Sam on line three. Your thoughts about this, Sam. And Hunter Biden could maybe be indicted. The grand jury's looking into it. Go ahead, Sam. I'm sure he will be, but I believe that the the tax evasion thing is just a red herring. I wanted to ask you regarding the 51 uh, security experts that signed the statement stating that it was Russian disinformation, should they be held accountable? You know what? I think we need to find out where did they get that from. You bring up a superb point, you know, because how did suddenly 51 people, like you just said, come to that conclusion? They signed that letter and said, it's Russian disinformation. Then you heard the media parroting it. You heard CNN. You heard all these other people parroting it. And you bring up a great point, Sam. We need to find out where did they get that line to parrot? Who told them? Who vouched? 
and and why did they trust it so quickly? Great point. Let's go to Barbara, who is on line five. Barbara, your thoughts about this and the media, the mainstream media finally coming around, Barb. Right. This is what I think. I think that we should hold the media's feet to the fire. That's the real crime. They silenced the information. They deprived us from making a critical, clear election analysis. They should be held responsible. It should be the media's insurrection. That's what we should tagline it. This was cultivated. They knew, but they deprived us of the clear information. And then that's the point we need to drive home. No, that's a great point. And Barb, you know, it was like such a media blackout and they were willing to go with this Russia disinformation campaign, just like Sam was saying that the security officials were. It was this big, big orchestrated effort. We're going to continue your calls about this after the break and talk about Biden's version of Putin price hike. Rita Cosby is on. Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great men and women who have served this country, a beautiful and powerful story coming out of Center City, Pennsylvania, where a U.S. Army veteran, Sergeant Adam Hartswick of Spring Mills, Pennsylvania, was recently honored by Wounded Warrior Family Support with a brand-new pickup truck. Hartswick severely injured both of his legs in Afghanistan after stepping on an IED in May 2013. He lost both legs above his knee, his right index finger, also part of his thumb. He also had traumatic brain injury and many, many other issues and yet survived and is now an inspiration to so many people. He said also that being gifted a brand-new vehicle completely customized to his needs is just unbelievable. Across the country, there are 350 veterans who need modified vehicles as a result of their combat-related injuries. And the Wounded Warriors Family Support CEO said that giving them to people like Sergeant Hartswick will allow them to have freedom to live productive and quality lives with their family. What a great, great story, and how wonderful that they are recognizing this great American hero. Well, we are talking, of course, about the war in Ukraine by the Russians. And today, there was a lot of talk coming out of the White House about Putin's price hike. This administration is blaming everything on Vladimir Putin, although, remember, prices were rising many, many months before Russia even invaded Ukraine. Definitely the issues with oil, and we're going to get to that because this president made us no longer energy independent. So suddenly we're like, oh, the world is scrambling to find oil because Russia is a big oil producer, and then suddenly we had to ban Of course, oil, which I think was absolutely the right thing to do, but slow in coming from this administration. Some countries are still buying it because they're reliant on Russian oil. They need the oil for their country. But think about had we been energy independent, guys, as we were under President Trump, maybe we could be selling to the world. First of all, making tons of money. It might have helped us economically just within this country. And it also certainly would have helped the world. 
And then it really would have put Russia in a box where they couldn't be selling to anybody. Right now, they actually came out. Vladimir Putin came out in the last few hours and said he is demanding that tomorrow that Russian oil be paid for in rubles. And if you don't want to pay for it in rubles because they can't trade the money and all that with all the sanctions going on, if you don't pay for it in rubles, then you can't buy it. And some people are really panicking because they need the oil. And guess what? U.S., not only are we no longer energy independent under this president who canceled Keystone and did so many other policies that were outrageous and anti-oil industry, we are also not selling to other countries. And that was President Trump's plan, not only to have us be energy independent, which we were under him, but also to be selling to the world. So think about the money we could have made and how we could have helped the other countries at this time and really crunched Russia. But boy, you would have heard a whole other spin machine from President Biden today. Meantime, President Trump, who's been watching this, we just talked about the great interview that he did with John Solomon. And during that interview, he talked about just he could not believe right now the escalating gas prices. And very much he blames so much on Biden's policies. Take a listen. I had energy down to $1.87 a gallon. Think of that. Forget about the price per barrel, because most people don't know what that means. But we're setting records. You know, we're setting records. But we now have the most expensive gasoline in the history of our country. And we had it down below $2, way, way down below. And right now, by the way, it's $4.22 is the national average as of a couple hours ago. And in some places, like in California, they're looking at like $7 a gallon gasoline. I mean, that's, this is astounding. And guess what? The numbers were skyrocketing again before Russia invaded Ukraine because this president made us energy dependent. And he also, we saw escalating prices on everything, not just gas, but food. I mean, there's a, there was a report today, this is astounding, that the average American family is going to pay anywhere from 5200 to 5400 more dollars a year based on inflation. And that's because things are costing so much more. Everything from clothes to gas to, you know, whatever, food. I mean, everything. So here is President Trump talking about that. If energy comes down, it's so important. Other parts of inflation are coming down. I was seeing today, I read, where uh, food is going to make energy look like it's a good deal that the food prices are going to go up much more very soon, much more than the energy prices did. And yet, today, President Biden, there he is at the White House, and announcing that they're going to release one million barrels a day from the Strategic Oil Reserve. They're going to do it for the next six months, which is just a drop in the bucket. I mean, it's not a lot when you look at how much we consume. America alone consumes. But he blamed everything On Vladimir Putin. Everything is Putin, 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 Putin. Even if Putin wasn't even invading or anywhere near Ukraine that months ago, it's Putin's fault. You know, it's raining today. It's Putin's fault. You know, there's a car accident. That's Putin's fault. And gas prices. Well, that's Putin's fault, too. Take a listen. As Russian oil comes off the global market, supply of oil drops and prices are rising. Now Putin's price rate price hike is hitting Americans at the pump. Yeah, Putin's price hike. And yes, it has contributed. But what about your policies? 
And instead, today, he villainized and he absolutely went after the oil industry. Take a listen, because he blamed them as opposed to his own crazy, loony kazuni green energy policies. This is the time, not the time, to sit on record profits. It's time to step up for the good of your country, the good of the world, to invest in immediate production that we need to respond to Vladimir Putin, to provide some relief for your customers, non-investors and executives. What a bunch of hogwash. So not only does he basically try to put the oil business out of business, then he blames them for high prices. This, like, you can't even make it up. If you look at it, he killed the oil business. He is going after them. And he basically, in Keystone, remember he made such a big deal on his first day in office, canceling Keystone Pipeline. And you would think even after all of this, he would say, you know what? I am going to revert. I'm going to change my policies. Uh, 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 uh. He is holding fast and saying, you know what? We need to, it's the oil industry. That's why we're in this bind as opposed to his policies. And there are so many people who are watching this and saying, what a bunch of hogwash. And in fact, I just did a new podcast. We're going to put it up tomorrow. It is really powerful with Victoria Coates, former deputy national security advisor under then President Trump. She also was an advisor to Energy Secretary, too, in 2020. And she had some really powerful things to, to, to say to me uh, that I want to share with all of you. We're going to put it up tomorrow, and you can get it on my social media, at Rita Cosby. We're also going to put it on at Rita Cosby, uh, RitaCosbyOnline.com, RitaCosbyOnline.com. We'll also put it up there. But she talked about how outrageous these comments are from President Biden. Take a listen to her. He's seeing the poll numbers slide dramatically, you know, for him and for others. And he's trying to spin it as it's Putin's price hike. Many people say, no, wait a minute. This is your policy. You're the one who killed Keystone. You're the one with Anwar. I mean, there's so many of these issues, the attacking the fossil fuel industry. He seems to be in complete denial and spinning it as if it's all Vladimir Putin. It really is disingenuous. And I think there's a little bit more going on there. Absolutely. You know, the day one when they came into office, they were already busily canceling, as you said, Keystone, a whole host of other actions that have been taken over the last year to demonize, penalize and even criminalize the domestic U.S. energy industry. And so they were doing that all on their own. I mean, well before the invasion of Ukraine from Glasgow, from the U.N. climate thing, President Biden and his administration were all begging the Saudis to increase production. That was in October. That was in October. And, huh, gosh, Russia invaded Ukraine, what was it, like 36 days ago. That's not October. So yet he's blaming everything on Putin. Boy, is it a mess, and he still is not changing his green energy policies. I couldn't believe this today, guys. As he's making the announcement, in the next breath he said, We're going to work on green energy because we don't want to be in this situation again. Well, we're in this situation right now because of your policies. It's like he won't even acknowledge that his policies in any shape or form created this moment where we are now so vulnerable and the world is so vulnerable. Think about had we been energy independent, had we even had an energy excess, we could be selling 
we would be like sitting pretty right now and really squeezing Vladimir Putin. And this president, even today, even after all this and looking at the, quote, Putin price hike, the next thing he says is, we're going to work toward green energy. We're going to create a whole bunch of jobs. And I'm sure Vladimir Putin is sitting there laughing, thinking of Biden, you know, with solar energy and, and talked about electric cars. Is that the first thing you think about right now when Ukraine's being invaded, Russia's selling oil, and he's thinking, God, how in 10 years from now can we get everybody on electric cars? Boy, are his priorities out of whack. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Norman, who's on line four. Norman, your thoughts about all of this. Hi, Rita. Yeah, Biden's lying to us again, blaming Putin's war on gas prices going up and not his own doing. I also feel it's incredibly irresponsible for him to open our emergency reserves to lower gas prices. Uh, first, we could be energy independent again. And these are these are emergency reserves not to be used for price adjustments. I'm just sick of this globalist serving traitor of a president. And I think it is impeachment time. Well, and by the way, I don't know if you were listening earlier, Norm, that if you look at the Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden may be heading towards indictment. You know, I mean, this is really serious now. The mainstream media is talking about that. And the reason it's important to Norm, getting back to what you were just talking about in sort of the court of law, if Hunter Biden gets indicted, there could be a trial potentially. And then people could come in And based on some reports, and again, it's reports, but there were other people who worked with Hunter Biden. Tony Bobolinsky, this guy used to work with him, came out and said that it was clear that it was 10 percent for the big guy. So will people come out in a trial if he does? Should he get indicted? We don't know if he will or not, but there's a grand jury looking into it. It's a serious potential that he could. So say he gets indicted, right? And then somebody comes in. And then they might have to call in these other colleagues, and who knows what's there. We know, you know, Biden pretended, Norm, that he didn't even know any of these people, and then the picture showed up, and he's out there golfing with them and hanging out with them. So, again, we don't know what was said, but there's some pretty serious allegations there. And what if it turns out that somebody says, oh, yes, he did know? Um, What happens then? Or what happens if they go after the son? Does Biden pardon his own son? I mean, it's a crazy thing to talk about, but it's not that crazy now that we know a grand jury's looking into it. What is, you know, there's some big implications here, Norm. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah, what do you think, Norm? Where do you think it's headed? Where do you think the Hunter Biden's headed? Where do I think the Hunter Biden's headed? Um, you know, I, I'm not optimistic. I mean, because, I mean, I'm not optimistic that justice is going to win out. I'm just not. I mean, I, I would like it, but I, I'm just not optimistic. Uh, uh, just I've, I've been let down so much in this country. You know, I mean, I think we all are. We, we all have from the from the election to the destruction of America on every level to, you know, our energy, um, the racial stuff, which has been used as a weapon. And by the, by the way, Norm, as you talked about also the energy, it's amazing to see that this president still fails to admit that his policies had anything to do with it. And instead, he's, you know, attacking the oil industry today. It was I thought it was really it was just horrible. Norm, thank you very much. And again, listen, 
you know, Hunter Biden deserves obviously justice um, and deserves a fair trial, too, and deserves a fair grand jury. It may not even get to trial, you know, and he may not get indicted. And he deserves, obviously, a presumption of innocence. We don't know where it's going. But if it goes to an indictment, boy, could things get really, really serious. Let's go to Russ, who's on line one. Russ, your thoughts about all this. Go ahead, Russ. Well, it's pretty simple. You ask any assistant DA uh, how to solve a white-collar crime, you follow the money. The money follows Hunter Biden from the prior pro-Russian regime back to the United States, and now we have his father holding back on armaments to the brave, uh, courageous Ukrainian fighters and um, throwing us off to Putin, saying he should be thrown out of office. He's uh, calling for regime change, and that's just what Putin needed to bolster his standing at home. So do you th- you think that's interesting? You think that Biden's you know delay with getting weapons and kind of even the White House not even saying that they want Ukraine to win? I mean, it was like it was like it was like a quiz question or something when it went to the head of his communication. She was like, "Ah, uh, well, we want the Russian aggression to stop." Like it was so the answer was so weird when they asked, "Do you want Ukraine to win?" She kind of danced around it. You think it has to do with some of the money trail. That's that's really interesting, Russ. Thank you very well, much. That's fascinating. That's a fascinating point. Let's go to Tim on line three real quick. Tim, your thoughts. Hey, Rita, real quick. Um, I love you, and I think you're great. I usually agree with you. I just, I'm honestly tired of the Hunter Biden story. I just, you know. Tired of it? It just came back. What do you mean? I'm, tired I'm of just, it? There, there was, there was media blackout for like. A year and a half, it was like, and now suddenly it's in like the last two weeks. It's like an epiphany. Yeah, I mean, if he gets, if he gets, in, if he gets indicted and and there's evidence, and he gets convicted, and it leads up to his father, then sure, I'm I'm interested. But but like, there, but Tim, then, the point, rather... Tim, the point is, there's a grand jury looking into it. That's what makes it. You know, the fact that a grand jury is looking at it means there's something significant that they felt that could at least present it to a grand jury. That's why. It's actually gotten to some pretty serious levels. It's not just, you know, one publication or two publications. Now it's actual, you know, in a grand jury, you know, you know, in a legal proceeding. We'll see where it goes. I agree with you that we don't know where all the tentacles are going to go technically. But but that kind of raises it real quick, Tim. No, no doubt. I hear that. I just would rather talk about things like the disaster on our southern border or, or inflation and, and or what you're what you're talking about tonight, the price of gas, you know? Yeah. No. And by the way, I, I think all of these things are important topics and the price of gas and the things that are affecting us um, are very important. I, I, I appreciate the call, Tim. Great to have you call in. And, and Tim's point is a good one in terms of on the border, too, because, boy, Things are still a big, big mess there, and we're watching to see what happens with Title 42 or not on the border, too. We're going to take your calls, everybody, after the break. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. It's the Rita Cosby Show.
a little run with the devil as we are rocking out tonight here on the Rita Cosby Show. And it seems like the devil's in the detail with President Biden because today he announced, yes, he is going to be taking advantage of the strategic oil reserves, as which we've talked about as a dangerous thing to do, taking a million barrels a day, which sounds like a lot, but really is just a drop in the bucket. And here he is announcing, okay, we're going to be doing that. Then he also vilifies the oil companies, as we were just talking about with Tim here on the show. And then he further said, you know what? We need to basically stop having dependence on oil. After all of this, after all the price increases that he has seen prior to Vladimir Putin, even though he called it the the Putin price hike, he blames everything on Putin. The fact that, you know, there might be snow somewhere in the world, that's Putin's fault. Rain is is Putin's fault. Everything is Putin's fault, according to this president. But... He still is not even acknowledging that his policies caused this mess in part. The fact that he moved us away from energy independence. And in fact, he basically said, you know what? Because of what we're seeing here in the world, this is the ultimate spin machine. I want to know who's his great spinmeister. Because of what's going on in the world, we have to make sure that we move away from fossil fuels. We have to move away from oil, as opposed to saying, maybe my policy put us in a very dangerous place. Listen to the spin on this one. We and the whole world need to reduce our dependence on fossil fuels altogether. We need to choose long-term security over energy and climate vulnerability. We need to double down on our commitment to clean energy and tackling the climate crisis with our partners and allies around the world. Is anyone, when they look at the images of Mariupol, thinking climate change? I mean, this is just so crazy. The whole thing is so crazy. And we look at the situation in Russia selling oil and countries still dependent on their oil, and they're saying climate change. I mean, this is... This is not the priority at this moment, Mr. President. When are you going to figure this out? Or when are you going to be honest with the American people? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Christopher on line two from Vermont. Go ahead, Christopher. Your thoughts about this. Yes, I I had something else to say. I wanted to defend Neville Chamberlain. He was a patriot. He made a mistake at the Munich Conference in 1938. But the correlation between the XL pipeline being canceled by Bite Me uh, a year ago, and it would it would have been producing and sending us a million barrels a day. Absolutely. Now, and by the way, exactly can I ask you? What he wants to take out of our strategic oil reserve, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Rita, but I can call it nothing less than treason. Let me ask you, you talk about um, Neville Chamberlain. You were defending Neville Chamberlain. But the reason I just want to remind everybody, I brought up the analogy that, you know, we don't want to be in a situation like that again. Um, You really feel that his policies are just they're so anti-American. And at a time right now, it's baffling. Like you sit there and you go, wait a minute. How is that not only not protecting us, but it's also not keeping the world safe. It has put us in such a vulnerable, difficult position. And it's made it just, its you know, history is going to look back and say, why didn't we do more quicker and sooner in Ukraine? And why did this president shut the spigots off? Why did he put us in such a dangerous, difficult position? I'm trying to figure that out. And Joe probably doesn't even remember based on his history of late. 
This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com. 